The wait is over. Is over. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another great edition of The Binge Buster Show. Coming to you right here in the studios in uh, the Queen City, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, well, actually outskirts of Charlotte, Lake Norman to be exact. But hey, wh- who, who's counting? Uh, I'm excited about this week's show. As I told you last week, I'm going to be throwing out some hints. Everybody's wondering who Ric Flair's opponent's going to be. Uh, fans, I think tonight I'm going to throw one out there for you. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to give you some some inside scoop on the Ric Flair final match. Uh, but before I can do that, I got to bring on my co-host. I'm talking about none other than Mr. Rock and Roll Chris Playboy Plano. Chris, what is going on? Woo, Tony, another week is here. We are into the month of June. Summer is right around the corner. We're talking rock and roll, wrestling, and anything else under the sun tonight. I'm excited about tonight's podcast. Man, I'm telling you, Chris, it's, it's been a crazy week, but uh, let's let's recap uh, our weekends. Uh, I know uh, you, yours was way more exciting than mine. Uh, you, 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 you like got to go down to, as everyone knows, NASCAR was in town here in the Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, for the Coca-Cola 600. Uh, and, of course, during during the Coca-Cola 600, uh, they also have Speed Street, which incidentally used to be held downtown Charlotte, uh, right there on Trade Street, but um, but now, uh, Chris, I, I think this year they moved it. Uh, was was it at the actual racetrack this year? Correct, it was. They did move Speed Street, which traditionally, Tony, for many many years and decades, was at the cor- at the corner of Trade and Tryon and Uptown Charlotte. Speed Street was moved to Charlotte Motor Speedway this year, and and, and God, you know, I have to give it up. What a great job! Charlotte Motor Speedway did Bruton Smith and, and and his son Marcus and boy they really did it. It was really kind of somewhat experimental, but it worked. Building up Speed Street outside around the track, it makes perfect sense. And everyone is situated in one place. Bands and food and food trucks and music and autograph signings. It was a great. Memorial Day weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and some heavy hitters came in music-wise as well. They were also trying to make up for the last couple of years with, with, with COVID-19 and, and really jumpstart the fans right into the Coca-Cola 600. Oh, that's great. And, and, and I also know, uh, you know, we uh, some some pretty big acts uh, was uh, performing at Speed Street. We had Flo Rida, uh, mm-hmm. who else, Leonard Skinner, and uh, who else? And the Steve Miller band. Steve Miller band. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So great. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't beat that. And and wasn't I, I, uh, and wasn't all that free? Uh, Tony, it was. It was. If you wanted to see Florida, he was a part of Speed Street Friday night, and he, Tony he did play Apple Bottom Jeans. We were not going to go any further. I did see. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so girls going a little crazy there, um, and uh, it was great there, and he played all his hits and. Steve Miller band took us back to the, to the seventies and early eighties. He did a great job. And then Leonard Skinner 
was the pre-race concert into the Coca-Cola 600. You had to have a ticket to the 600, but man, Tony, they still got it, man. And, uh, I still smell some of that smell, a little give me three steps and a little free bird. And it it was on, on Sunday and, uh, boy, and, and what a salute to the troops and our military, both that are currently serving and, and then that have served. And, and of course are, are, are fallen as well and, and paying tribute to them. It was, it's a great, great Memorial day weekend. Charlotte motor speedway knows how to do it. It's, it's a prelude prior to, you know, the Indianapolis 500 is run earlier in the day. And they even have a, um, um, an F1 race internationally earlier. So it's really a whole day of racing and capped with the Coca-Cola 600 and nothing. I don't know much better places to be than the Charlotte motor speedway. And, 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 and just taking a Lee Greenwood was there singing proud to be an American. And it's just, it was, it was a great time. And, uh, it was a nice special place to be and a great way to kick off the summer. Oh, that's awesome. I, 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 I hate, I missed it. Uh, but I, uh, and my wife and my son, we went down to Myrtle beach, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, hung out. Well, we, we actually went down Thursday last week and came back this past Monday. Uh, and Chris, it was an, it was a good time. I, we didn't do anything special other than, uh, there's, there's a, there's a nice little campground down there that, um, that, uh, we, we rented a house at, um, or a cottage, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but man, Chris, uh, you know, we, we, we go there a lot and, uh, I have to say uh, of all the houses that we've stayed at, this one has been the best one. Um, just, just for the golf cart itself. I mean, when, 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 when you check into this, um, to this campground, uh, there's a lot of houses in there. Um, but there's also an area where you can set up a camper or a tent or wh- whatever you want to do to camp. Um, but, you can't drive your car in there. You you have to either rent a golf cart or hopefully the house that you are renting comes with one. Well, luckily the one that we rented, it came with a Cadillac. Uh, and I told you, I sent you a text and said, Chris, Oh, oh no, that looked, that was the Cadillac of all. That was the Rolls Royce. I man, think. I'm telling <laughs> you that, that golf cart had a Kenwood stereo system in it. It had these monster truck tires and that thing was fast. And, uh, man, I, I, I drove that thing all over and, uh, man, I had a good time and took, took my son for a ride. Uh, we, 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 he was, he was excited that we went on what he called the big road. Uh, we actually took the golf cart off premises and drove about a half mm-hmm. a mile down the road and got ice cream. Uh, just, nice. to, but just a good time, man, just to hang out Getting and that uh, wind in your face, get the wind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I've been on my wife telling her that, you know, I really need to buy me a Harley. I really want to get a Harley. But, um, a couple of weeks ago, our friend, a couple of our friends, uh, who, who had a slingshot, uh, they were driving through town and uh, this idiot in uh, a Mustang decided, you know, he want, he thought he, he could go 90 miles an hour on a two-lane highway, uh, and actually hit, actually hit our friends head on and totaled their their um, their slingshot. So now my wife is really uh, saying, you know, I don't think it's a good idea if you get anything that doesn't have four wheels on it. So um, who knows? I mean, you know, next year I may get me Harley or I may just uh, get, get that Corvette, that red Corvette, Chris, that you and I have been talking about. That's right. One of the two. And but, hey, they uh, got the three wheelers out there too. Still. I mean, those yeah. are still not as bad. Yeah. So you never know. But, uh, but anyway, it was a good time. And, uh, I, and I was excited to, uh, 
to go off and recharge my batteries. Uh, I needed it after the last couple of months I've had with all the matches that I've had and uh, uh, staying busy with wrestling. And so I had a couple of weeks off, but I'm I'm back at it in a couple of weeks. And uh, so I'm excited about that. But uh, we'll talk more about that later on. Uh, what I do want to talk about, Chris, the, the uh, stadium tour is right around the corner. Two weeks away mm-hmm. from opening night there in Atlanta, Georgia, the stadium tour, Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Poison, Joan Jett. Uh, man, it's going to be on fire, and uh, you and I have tickets to the one in Charlotte, and so I'm looking forward to that. But on May the 26th, uh, Def Leppard was in my old stomping grounds, uh, Los Angeles, California, on the Sunset Strip at the uh, world-famous Whiskey-A-Go-Go right there on Sunset Boulevard. And if you've, if, if you've never had a chance to go out to L.A., I highly recommend going out there uh, and checking out. Um, just, just, just go to L.A., go to Hollywood, and get on Sunset Boulevard and just drive, man. And, and it, on that road, Chris, you if if you're an 80s rock and roll uh relic mm-hmm. the way you and I are uh a lot of the a lot of the famous um landmarks and places is right there uh just just a you know 3 or 4 mile drive uh down Sunset Boulevard on that road you're 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 going to pass um of course the whiskey a go go uh you're you're going to pass um the rainbow uh but also if you're a Motley Crue fan like Chris and I are, you're 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 going to see something that's 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 going to reach out and grab you. Uh, if you ever watch the Girls 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 video, uh, a lot of the strip clubs that were featured in that video are right there on Sunset Boulevard. Um, and of course, uh, the, at the end of the video, where uh, uh, Motley Crue are on their Harley Davidsons, and uh, uh, Tommy says, "Hey Vince, check that out, man," and and you and you you see a couple of chicks walking down the street well that 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 was that was uh recorded right there in front of the body shop right there on on sunset boulevard uh and i know the the every time i go to la i always take a picture of that because it's just um i mean it looks it, it hasn't changed it looks the exact same way as it did in 1987 uh and of course uh i'll, I'll tell you a little inside scoop that that I, I was told while i was out there Right across the street from the from the uh, body shop, see the body shop they they don't serve alcohol. You got to bring your own in. Um, so during the time that that Motley Crue were there filming uh, Girls Girls Girls, um, some of the band members and uh, crew members would leave the strip club, walk across the street to this Mexican restaurant called the Pink Taco. <laughs> I love the I love the name Pink Taco. Uh, and the Pink Taco is right across the road from the body shop. Who 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 figures? But anyway, they would they would they would go over there and drink tequila and 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 booze and then come back over and film more of the um of of the of the video. So so that's that's that that's my California inside scoop to all my binge buster listeners. Um but like a, a, I was getting off on a ramble though. But Def Leppard played at the world famous Whiskey a Go Go this past week, uh, and Chris, I'm telling you, um, and and you know, not giving anybody free plugs here on my show, but if you tune in to, uh, or if if you have the Sirius XM app, you can go on there now and listen to that concert. Uh, but uh, Def Leppard put on a heck of a show, Chris. Have, have you have you had a chance to listen to it yet? 
You know, Tony, I haven't had a chance to look at the whole show. I looked at a quick glimpse of it, but man, they've been getting positive rave reviews since they, they've done this. They did some national TV stuff as well. And um, it's like, wow, man. And people are raving about some of the new tunes. Um, not just, you know, the classic hits that everyone is expecting to hear. They're getting into some of the new stuff they're playing. So I have a gut feeling from at least Def Leppard's perspective, I can't speak for Motley Crue and for Poison and Joan Jett, but we might hear two or three new cuts from their new album off of this, uh, off of the stadium tour coming up here in a couple of weeks and, and beyond. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right, Chris. It's, um, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting to, to see, um, exactly, um, how, how the show pans out, but I do know that, um, it is going to be one heck of a show, um, with all four of these bands, uh, you know, performing and, uh, I am, I am thoroughly excited uh, about about this uh, upcoming tour, uh, I've got my tickets, man. I am, and 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 of course, you and I are going to hang out before the show. Uh, maybe do a live podcast right there uh, in Bank of America Stadium. Who knows? Uh, so, if you want to find that out, you got to go like our Facebook page because that's that's where that's where that free podcast will be popping up at. Uh, but Chris, I mean, it's 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 going to be an exciting time for sure. I mean. I think the fans have waited long enough. This is two, three years in the making. I mean, I, I remember when Motley Crue said we're getting back together and this is it and this is the stadium tour and now it, it's finally here. And I think, you know, it's going to be great to see Vince Neil play with the lead singer of the opening band. Joan Jeff's going to get out there with the Blackhearts and Poison's going to do their thing with, uh, you know, with, you know, Ricky Rocket and, and, and Bobby Dowell and CC DeVille and Brett Michaels. And, and then you got Def Leppard and, and Motley Crue. They're going to alternate as headliners of every other city. And man, you're going to get six, seven hours of, of, of rock and roll. And uh, who knows? I don't know if another tour like this will ever be put together with, with four or five bands of this magnitude. And, I know the guys are ready. I know I'm ready. I'm excited to see what the set list look like coming off of the Atlanta, um, you know, show in a couple of weeks here. There might be some tweaks along the way, but they're going to work this out. And hey, I think they're just going to be all up there having fun. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. Uh, speaking of fun, uh, Chris, have you heard the news? Ric Flair is having his final match. And Nashville, yeah. Tennessee, under the Jim Crockett Promotions banner, I had hoped to get tickets to go see this great this match. Unfortunately, it's sold out already. But I have got some inside scoops. I have got some inside uh, stuff that I'm gonna let everyone know tonight. And uh, man, I, I, I before I got into that, I had to play that uh, classic Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling Jim Crockett Promotions theme song. It's great. Uh, that brings back a lot of childhood memories. But uh, this uh, this this final match with Ric Flair um, uh, last last week, I, I told the fans that as the weeks get, get closer, I would I would give people secrets, and I'm going to mm-hmm. give you a secret right now. Um, I, I and it, and it has been confirmed that uh, for Ric Flair's final match, guess who the referee is going to be? 
Boy, Tony, I mean, there's several that are, that are worthy. Yes. Um, you know, and I'm not going to sit here, you know, we can name names all night long, uh, but we can go down from where Flair started his career in the seventies up to, you know, as recently with, within the, the past decade, um, several that are worthy. There's one that probably sticks out more than any other. If you were a diehard NWA follower in the mid to late eighties, I'm going to leave it at that. But, um, you know, whoever gets the nod, uh, I hope they have a backup ready because you never know what can happen in this six man tag team match. Yep. Yep. You never know what can happen. But I am. I mean, yeah, but yep. I'm, I have an idea where you might be leaning. Well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna let this cat out of the bag. The special, he ain't special. This guy is special. This guy should have his own wing in a Hall of Fame. And why he's not in the Hall of Fame is it blows me away. But the best referee in the world in the history of in the history of wrestling. One thing I've always aspired to do and I have not done yet, and I know it's never going to happen because he only does special matches and really he, he, he doesn't really want to ref. He just wants to come and sign autographs and uh, all that kind of thing. But the world's greatest referee, I'm talking about none other than Tommy Young is going to be the referee for Ric Flair's final match. How wow. exciting is that? I mean, Tony, if you look at Tommy Young's resume, it speaks for itself. For all, if you name all the major matches within the NWA over the years, the marquee matches, and even outside of Ric Flair's matches. Yeah. He's refereed all the marquee matches for Ric Flair, but he's, I mean, I remember him in other matches that were legendary within the NWA as well, whether it was Dusty and Tully Blanchard, the Road Warriors, and, and the, you know, Nikita Koloff. It goes on and on. So, but when it was the main event time, you knew when Flair walked the aisle who the referee was going to be in the ring. Yes. Mm-hmm. Every time. So, very fitting for him. But, Tony, I'm telling you now, Whoever the promoter is, we know, you know, they better have a backup ready. You never know. Yep. What could happen here? The dirtiest player in the game may have something up his sleeve at, 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 at 73 years old. Yeah. I think, I think, <laughs> you're, yeah, I think you're right, Chris. Cause uh, Tommy has gotten, I mean, if you look back at the history of, of Ric Flair's matches, whether it's in singles or especially singles or even tag team, Tommy Young has seen the mat several times or sometimes gone outside the ring as well. So we got to keep that into consideration. Yep. That's right. And, uh, one now this week fans, I'm going to drop the first hint, the first hint. Now you have really got to be a diehard wrestling fan to catch this, but, as as this uh, Ric Flair final match uh, gets closer, I am going to give you a hint. Now I know who his opponent is. I have already been told. I I've got this. I've got the inside scoop, but I'm not going to let it out of the bag yet because I won't. I won't. You know. I I I, I want to draw some some excitement here. So I'm going to tell you this: the very first time, the very first time that uh, 
that this gentleman and Ric Flair stepped in the ring together. First time they ever got in the ring together. It, um, I'm not going to tell you the, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you the town. I'm going to give you the date. The date was November the 29th, 1987. First time they, they, they fought each other in the ring. It was a tag match, but this was the first time that the two of these locked up together in the ring. But this guy and Ric Flair would go on and have a, have Tons of matches together, uh, and they would have very significant matches together. Uh, we already know it's not Ricky Steamboat because Steamboat says, no, sir. So November 29th, 1987 is the first time Ric Flair and this gentleman locked up. And wow. this is this is the gentleman that is going to be stepping in the ring with Ric Flair on his final match. I cannot wait. Uh, I'm now going to have to watch it on pay-per-view and not be there live like I'd hoped for. Uh, but I'm, I'm still, I'm still going to tune in because, uh, because Chris it's it's, it's going to be something to see. It is going to be something to see. We know it's a six man tag team match and that is how it, it's, it's going to play out, but it's, it's much more than beyond that. Tony, it's, the buildup of the event, it's the buildup leading to the event, the week of the event, the day of the event. What color trunks is Flair wearing? What's the color of the robe going to be? The hair going to look like? I mean, it's, it's the whole thing. And yeah. obviously, the the music playing, the lights, the smoke, the pyro, whatever's happening, and, and, and the walk. Yeah. Of, you know, when you think of Ric Flair, all the walks during the great American bashes and Starcade and, and, and the opponents he took on. And those, I think that's what people are going to be thinking about. I mean, this match is not going to define Rick's Rick Flair's career. No win, lose, draw, you know, but I, I, I yeah. think, I think the most, the most significant, I can't talk the most significant, um, part of this whole event is the fact that Ric Flair finally gets to put a stamp. I'm done. I'm finished. This is it. This is it. And he gets to do it under Jim Crockett promotions, which is the promotion that really made him the star that he became. Um, and, and I think it's so cool that, that they're bringing back, uh, I, I, I heard that they're actually bringing back the old mid Atlantic, um, uh, uh, stage uh they're gonna have that out there and of course tony shivani and david crockett are are hooking up again uh those were the were the voices of my childhood um so i'm, I'm excited about that uh mm-hmm. of course the rock and roll express is going to be there uh and then uh as the weeks go on i'll start releasing more names but there's my hint uh take that hint and see if you can uh see see if see if you guys know who Flair's opponent's going to be. Uh, I think some people will be shocked and others may not be, but uh, it's definitely going to be an event of the ages. Now, moving on to our podcast this week, um, uh, another tremendous event. And uh, incidentally, uh, the uh, the event we're talking about today is the Great American Bash 1990, and this will be the final Great American Bash 
ran and promoted under the NWA banner. Um, and so right now, fans, we are going to get into that. Here's the background on the Great American Bash 1990 New Revolution. The Great American Bash was a professional wrestling event established in 1985. It was first produced by the National Wrestling Alliance under Jim Crockett Promotions and aired on closed-circuit television before becoming a pay-per-view in 1988. The event featured wrestlers from pre-existing scripted feuds and storylines. The Great American Bash 1990 took place on July 7, 1990 at the Baltimore Arena in Baltimore, Maryland with an attendance of 14,000 people and the main event featured the NWA World Heavyweight Champion Ric Flair as he defended against the new uprising megastar Sting. This is the event and this is the show. The Great American Bash 1990 The New Revolution. All right, Chris, we are back. Uh, man, I'm telling you, Chris, uh, this show was the show that uh, made, uh, my opinion, well, Sting Sting was actually made at that uh, Clash of the Champions in Greensboro just a, you know, a few years earlier. Uh, but uh, because of injuries, uh, an injury that Sting uh, sustained, uh, he didn't win the belt when he was supposed to, so it took a couple of years later. But here we are in 1990, uh, Ric Flair and Sting main event, the Great American Bash right there in Baltimore, uh, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, with 14,000 people on hand to see this great match. Our commentators for this event, Jim Ross and the voice of Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, Bob Cottle, ring announcer Gary Michael Capetta, uh, interviewer was Gordon Soley, and our referees were Nick Patrick, Randy Anderson, and Mike Atkins. Uh, this event gets started, Chris, uh, with a singles match. David Sierra taking on Mr. X. Don't really know much about that one. Uh, but this next one was a really good match. Uh, and, uh, and incidentally, the Mr. X match, that was a dark match that was not per, uh, you know shown on the pay-per-view. But the match that was... Flying Brian Pillman, who was uh, really starting to make a name for himself, taking on the nature boy, Buddy Landell. This match goes 9 minutes, 29 seconds, with Brian Pillman going over. Chris, what are your thoughts about these, these, these two guys? Well, yeah, you know, two interesting styles here. Uh, and obviously, you know, Buddy Landell also had the – tagline of the, the nature boy was <laughs> the opening match and you got the nature boy in the you know the real nature boy in the main event you know way later on in the evening um you know you know i you know i always kind of like brian tillman i mean i was a brian tillman fan um you know you know good opening match i mean buddy landell was a hell of a lot of experience obviously you know uh you know coming into this you know many many years in in, in the business um you know, it's it's just a, it, to me it's a clash of styles. It's not a match. I don't know what the build up or storyline was to this match, but obviously Brian Tillman gets the fall just under ten minutes, and uh, you know, uh, a win over Buddy Landell. I mean, on on on, on uh, a national pay per view, you know, that's not going to hurt anyone. 
Yeah. Um, and, and I know during this time, Brian was really starting to, to make a name for himself. Uh, Buddy Landell had already made a name for himself and uh, was trying to make his, uh, trying to make a comeback, a career comeback, uh, as uh, a lot of you may not realize. But Buddy Landell um, was really a big star in the Jim Crockett Promotions, NWA. Well, he, I mean, he was a star everywhere he went, but uh, but focusing on the NWA, Buddy Landell was was tremendous in Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling, and actually they had paired him up to have uh, a series of matches with Ric Flair, uh, but Buddy's demons got the best of him one night, and uh, he told Dusty to take the national title and stick it. He wasn't coming to work that night. He was partying, and uh, so he didn't uh, – so, you know, he lost his job, and so uh, he he was definitely making a comeback here. Um, and uh, I always enjoyed watching Buddy Landell, and, and, and one thing, Chris, that a lot of people may not know, but Buddy Landell was a huge – motley crew fan um and if you search online there is actually a picture of buddy landell backstage hanging with nikki six mm-hmm. and vanity and i'm sure oh man and i'm sure with, with with those three uh together i don't think they were playing music if you know what i mean they were they were partying it down they were having the time of their life and uh man i'm i'm uh, buddy buddy was a super was a tremendous guy a tremendous hand uh and he left us way too early but uh, this match was definitely a great, uh, great match between the two. Um, then we go from there to another match that goes six minutes forty six seconds. Mike Rotundo uh, takes on the Iron Sheik, and uh, Mike gets the uh, win there. Uh, Chris, at this point, the Iron Sheik is pretty much done. Um, you know, former WWF World Champion, WWF World Tag Team Champion. Uh, here he was main eventing rest, you know, uh, or, you know, some of the first WrestleManias and of course, putting Hulk Hogan on the map. Uh, here he is a uh, second match on the, uh, pay-per-view. Um, but, but I know Chris, when, when you were running NDW, uh, mm-hmm. you definitely got to hang out with the Sheik a few times and, uh, man, what a tremendous guy he was. Or still is great guy, great guy, both in and out of the ring. Uh, Tony, you, know, you can't say you can't say anything bad about the Sheik. I mean, I mean, reliable. If he tells you he's going to be there, he's going to be there. Great stories. You know how it is. The Hollywood blonde Hulk Hogan, right? Right. Yeah. Sheik, Sheik, Sheik owed one more match, right? For how many years and decades now? <laughs> the Sheik owed one more with that Hollywood blonde, and you know, but hey. Sheik was great, and, you know, he's got the, the clubs he tosses around and challenges the fans and from, you know, Tiran, Iran, and, you know, it was great. And, hey, probably a lot of people at this time in 1990 may not even realize that Sheik was even in the NWA. Right, <laughs> yeah. And they might have caught somebody surprised that was buying the pay-per-view uh, more than anything else. But, um, you know, hey. On a pay-per-view against Mike Rotunda and Rain, obviously, you know, Mike Mike Rotunda, you know, the WWF guy as well. So not really an unfamiliar match for Sheik in, in any stretch of his imagination. So, you know, probably fairly, you know, a challenging match for him, but a great guy. And, uh, you know, and really he was the one, you know, I mean, Hulk Hogan catapulted off of that Madison Square Garden win and what the rest is history. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And uh, 
right now I, I want to play a, a small clip. Uh, this this is actually what the Iron Sheik thinks about Hulk Hogan. Oh. Piece of shit! You suck, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> he doesn't like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> let's let's let that let, Hollywood let, blonde, right? Let's leave it right there. But uh, but man, I I tell you the the, the Sheik is a uh, he he was a tremendous athlete uh and uh was actually in the olympics so um you know great great athlete and uh it was definitely a good hand in the ring uh now moving on to our next event uh doug furnace taking on dutch mantel uh doug gets the win 11 minutes 18 seconds um doug furnace world strongest man chris uh what's your thoughts on this one i mean you know I don't have much background on, on Doug Furness personally, though was at that time the world's strongest man. And we've had many other strongest men along the way, I believe, <laughs> between now and uh, yeah. um, them. But he wins this match over Dutch Mantel, uh, you know, a seasoned veteran in the ring. No, no pushover by any means. I mean, you know, 11 minutes, 18 seconds. Uh, I, I, I would say Dutch had his hands full. Uh, <laughs> this particular uh, evening, getting the ring, but also up against a, a crafty veteran. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, then from here, now this th- this was a match of the ages. Uh, two former NWA World Champions going at it. Handsome Harley Race taking on Tommy Wildfire Rich. This match only went six minutes thirty two seconds. I wish this match would have went eleven minutes instead of the Doug Furness and Dutch Mantel match. But uh, Harley Race and Tommy Rich together, former NWA world champions, uh, Chris, it, it don't get much better than that. Oh, my God. I mean, Tony, this, this this could be a main event in any arena across the country. I mean, Harley Race, I mean, in the ring, six-minute match, very, very unlike him. Yeah, <laughs> very mean, easily. Race is a... Race is a you know, strategist in the ring. And, you know, we're not talking no fast-paced matches with him when he steps through the, the squared circle. Nope. Um, but, boy, six kind of surprising. Um, you know, a little bit. It went only six minutes. I mean, Harley gets the win, um, you know, at the end of the day. But, you know, two former champions, Tommy Rich, I, at one time, you know, beat Harley Race, you know, a good number of years prior this particular match taking place. So um, Harley gets definitely some uh, revenge this evening in 1990. Yeah. uh, Very good match. Um, Now moving on, uh, this next match was really good. Uh, uh, It goes 18 minutes, 14 seconds uh, for the NWA United States tag team championships. The midnight express, beautiful Bobby and sweet stand with Jim Cornette taking on the wild-eyed Southern boys, Steve Armstrong and Tracy Smothers, um, and uh, uh, Bobby and Stan will hold on to their belts, uh, but this match goes 18 minutes, 14 seconds. Chris, uh, it seemed like every match that the Midnight Express had with the Southern boys, uh, they were always uh, really good matches. You know they're going to be fast-paced. You're going to see, you know, a lot of tags in and out, Tony, from not just one side, both sides. You know, whether they're on the offense, the defense, whatever the situation is in the ring. And, you know, you know, 
any one of the four guys can get covered on a, on a three count at any particular moment of the match. And what a treat for the fans. I mean, Midnight Express and, and, and you know, you know, what was to be, I, when I think of Tracy Smothers, I think of, you know, Smoky Mountain Wrestling and, and things of that nature. So what a, what a great match for the fans to see with, with four accomplished workers in the ring that can work both singles or, or tag on any given night. Yeah. I mean, very easily. Um, then, then we go from there to, um, and I'm not sure if this was the um, debut, but I think it might have been. Uh, but Big Van Vader taking on Tom Zink. This match was a squash match, two minutes, 16 seconds, <laughs> with Vader killing Tom Zink. Uh, man, uh, Chris, Vader, Vader I, I met Vader, super nice guy, but man, a monster in the ring. I think it took Tom Zink longer to lace his shoes up. <laughs> his wrestling boots up <laughs> to get into the ring. But no, I believe this was the debut of, of, of Van Vader with the headgear and everything. And uh, um, I think Tom Zink was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, yeah. There was a freight train coming at him. And uh, boy, no one Vader, he might have could end this match probably at the at the one-minute mark if he wanted to. <laughs> he e- would go to 216. Easily. Oh, um, obviously... Big plans for Van Vader beyond this pay per view, and you know his run in the NWA and WCW speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, next match, great tag team match, fast paced, hard hitting. The Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott, taking on the fabulous Freebirds, Jimmy Jam Garvin and Michael P.S. Hayes. Uh, Thirteen minutes forty five seconds. Chris Steiner brothers, Freebirds, always a great match. Hey, when Michael P.S. Hayes is bobbing his head down the aisle, Tony, to the ring, I mean, the Freebirds are walking the aisle. We talked about Leonard Skinner a little while ago, didn't we? Yeah, we did. That's what they, you know, they're coming down the ring to Freebird, and, you know, I mean, it just brings kind of chills up your spine. When you see the Freebirds walking to the ring, whether it's tag team, six-man, whatever's going on, and the Steiners, um, Obviously, they're jacked up and, you know, in the ring and ready to go. But, I mean, you you got to love it. I know the Steiners win this match. Um, but, uh, again, you know, the Freebirds, you would have to think here, Tony, that, um, you know, the amount of heat that they would draw into this match as well, just them being here, it had to be a match. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh... – Pretty, pretty well. Uh, uh, it's, it's been said lots of times that the Freebirds, uh, Michael Hayes, Jimmy Garvin, um, Buddy Roberts, and um, uh, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, uh, great, great uh, wrestlers. But man, they they knew how to party outside the ring, and I'm sure the Steiner brothers did the same thing. Um, and this this was definitely a a, a great tag match. Uh, although I would like to have saw this match earlier in the card. Uh, and and save the save that spot for the tag title match, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, somebody else was booking this, not me. Um, right, which, which takes <laughs> what us do to we know, right? What right. do we know? <laughs> uh, which takes us to our next match. Who, which was which was even worse. Uh, we've got Eligante. Now, this this right here was a, a crazy booking. Um, but Eligante uh, 
Junkyard Dog, and Paul Orndorff taking on three of the four horsemen, R. Anderson, Barry Windham, and Sid Vicious. Um, when I read that, Chris, I'm thinking none, none of these belong together, okay? Sid Vicious never belonged in the horsemen to begin with. Um, Eligante, Junkyard Dog, and Paul Orndorff as a team, I'm not buying that either. Uh, but now I will give the fans at home a little background on Eligante if you're not sure who he is. But uh, he was um, uh, he, he was a Spanish guy, seven foot tall. Uh, they actually brought him in to play basketball for the um, for the for the Atlanta Hawks, but mm-hmm. he was too clumsy. He kept tripping and falling. So they said well, we got to do something with this guy. So they made him a pro wrestler, and he, well, he was about as clumsy there as he was uh, in basketball. Um, but uh, from what I, I never met him, from what I understand, he was a really good guy. But uh, Junkyard Dog and Paul Orndorff, legends right there, uh, taking on Arn Anderson, Barry Windham, and Sid Vicious. Uh, Junkyard Dog and Paul Orndorff will, will win this match by disqualification. It goes 8 minutes, 53 seconds. This match was really just a buildup for the main event, um, which which we'll get into a little later. Now, this next match, Chris, uh, is for the United States heavyweight title. As the champion, Lex Luger, the total package, takes on a very young undertaker, Mark Callis, uh, with his manager, Paul E. Dangerously. Uh, This match goes 12 minutes, 10 seconds. And, Chris, I remember watching this match. uh, You wouldn't have thought that either one of the Mark Callis uh, was just a couple-year rookie at this point. But uh, he he, he looked really good in this match. He, he looked great. I mean, Luger at this point was really on a roll, you know, in 1990 coming, you know, uh, you know, just, he was just the U S champion defending the title. Um, you know, Mark Hallis, big, big guy, big guy, demeaning, you know, definitely a formidable opponent for, for Luger and on any given night, whether it's a pay-per-view house show or, or, or whatever. But, uh, no, I mean, Luger retains the title, but I mean, you know, what was to be for Mark Callis? I mean, you know, that, you know, here's a guy, he was Mark Callis in the NWA and Vince McMahon says, Hey, you want to take a shot at WWF? And who was to know <laughs> what would become, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and change, you know, the WWF, you know, wrestling landscape moving forward, you know, into the attitude era and into other, uh, things that the WWF was getting into with, with the undertaker and, and being one of the longest tenured wrestlers and, 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 and namesakes within a career. So, you know, um, yeah. (laughs) And there wasn't much further beyond this that he was in WWE just, you know, a couple of years later. Yeah, and uh, once once he went to WWE, he he really blew up at that point, uh, mm-hmm. and and become you know the the the, the main top attraction uh, for a, a long time until he retired. Uh, now getting to our next match, World NWA World Tag Team Titles on the line, champions Doom Butch Reed and Ron Simmons with their manager Theodore R. Long uh, taking on the world famous friends of ours. The Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton, Robert Gibson. Uh, Chris, I remember going back and watching this match. This this was a tremendous match. Right. Well, I mean, 
Tony just, I mean, talk about a somewhat style of clashes. You got Doom coming in there, jacked up, you know, Ron Simmons and, you know, and, and, and Doom coming in there with rock and roll. So they definitely had to be creative in this match, uh, uh, you know, to mount offense with it, using their fast pace, their agility, um, you know, and then really the ring savvy and experience a little bit as, uh, as well, because I, to me, doom was a, was a powerhouse team, you know, as far as from the, the, the you know, the, the, the tag team from what I remember back in the day. So Ricky and Robert definitely were using all the weapons in, in their tutelage that evening. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it looked really, it was, it was a great match. Um, but doom, um, you know, at this time, I think WCW was pretty much going with bigger people. Uh, so doom held on to the titles. Uh, they they were getting them ready for the Steiners for sure. Now, yeah, and I think I, yeah, I think even Teddy Long had a play in that match as well. I'm I'm sure yeah. on the outside throughout oh, <laughs> with Rock yeah. and Roll having no manager. I'm sure that played a factor uh, towards the end of the match. Yeah, uh, for that, yeah, for sure. Uh, now, as, as we get to our main event, uh, the setup with this. It's Sting with his uh, Dudes with Attitudes, which was Eligante, Junkyard Dog, Lex Luger, Paul Orndorff, Rick, and Scott Steiner. Uh, and they were uh, taking on Ric Flair with Ole Anderson. Ole Anderson was handcuffed to Eligante. So the uh, stakes were high, and uh, they had the horsemen in place where they were not going to interfere with this match. Uh, this match goes 16 minutes, six seconds. Uh, Sting defeats and wins the NWA World Heavyweight Championship from Ric Flair for the first time uh, right there at the Baltimore Arena uh, in front of 14,000 people. Um, Chris, I remember watching this match, and it was just back and forth, back and forth. Uh, and then, of course, Sting uh, became victorious and wins the world championship. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on Sting finally winning the world title? I mean, Tony, this was kind of somewhat of the, a turning point for NWA, WCW. This was elevating Sting on a different level at this point. You beat the Nature Boy. You beat the Nature Boy in not only on a pay-per-view, but also, interestingly enough, in a, in, a, in a city as well, and I will use Baltimore as a transitional city for both the WWF and the NWA. Yeah, and not only that, that but not only right, that, Chris, both, both organizations won, ran that city consistently. Yeah, yeah but, but not only that, but Baltimore was, was a huge town synonymous with Ric Flair's partying um, right. and, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure a lot, a lot of you may or may not know this story, but, uh, Rick first told it several times, but during the Jim Crockett senior Memorial cup tag team tournament, 1987, they were in the same arena and flair had a, a room across the street at the, uh, the Marriott and he had a party and, uh, and he went on TV and said, all girls, 18 to 28. No husbands, no boyfriends. Uh, the bartender told Ric Flair that he poured more alcohol in the bar that night uh, than he did on New Year's, which was saying a which is saying a lot. Um, 
And of course, Ric Flair had to, uh, he told a story how he had to get a little help from the, uh, office to, uh, check out because his, uh, his, his bar tab was so high, but, um, uh, but, but I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure the Crockett's were more than happy to pay with that oh, national yeah. exposure yes, <laughs> for sure. But, but Sting finally gets the, uh, he finally gets the win. And right now I've got an interview with, with Sting right after winning the world title from Ric Flair here at the great American bash. Celebration has just ended, and the new world's heavyweight champion has been crowned here tonight. Sting using an inside cradle to reverse the figure four. I've, se- I've seen you wrestle almost your very first match. I- I'm almost as proud of you, I think, as your own parents oh, are. Oh, you and I go back a long time, definitely, Rossi, but you say the celebration is over. It's just beginning for the Stinger. It's been a long, hard road, especially against somebody like Ric Flair, the rest of the horsemen. Ric did not become world heavyweight champion six times with the help of the horsemen every time. So I knew I had to be in the best shape. Like I said, if I'd have lost, I wouldn't have had any excuses. Had everything set the way I wanted it to be, so no one would get ripped off. Cut winner, winner, one way or the other. And that's exactly what happened. You know, the people in the media and the wrestling fans are very concerned about your knee being 100%. You said all along, several weeks ago, you were going to be ready. And I thought it was very admirable before you went on tonight. You said if you didn't win the championship, there'll be no excuses. How much of the mail from those little stingers have to have to play in your rehabilitation? Little stingers, you keep talking about those little stingers. That's all I can do is think about them, you know, the little painted faces. You should have seen them all over the arena tonight. It was unreal. Painted faces, the haircuts. Come on, Sting. We know you can do it this time. Did you get my letter? Did you get my letter? Everybody, you know it did help me out a lot. Thank you very much for your time. I know you got a big celebration. Congratulations, ladies and gentlemen. There you hear it from the new heavyweight champion of the world. There it was, Chris. Sting, new world heavyweight champion. Uh... And and th- this right here would really kick off, um, you know, a series of matches, championships exchanged. Flair and Sting would kind of be connected for the rest of, of both of their wrestling careers. Absolutely. This really was the start of something really, really big. You know, because, you know, for Ric Flair, you know, he had beaten all the best. Dusty Rhodes, Nikita Koloff. We know the fuse with Steamboat. The list goes on and on, Tony. It'll be a mile long. But this was the young blood coming in. And this was someone from a skill set. And the, and the fans just grasped onto him. This was the man for Flair. And it was great for Stink's career. Um, and so many great things, and he's still wrestling today. Hey, but I love something that Sting said in that interview, Tony. He goes, the fans wrote me this, this. Today they just send an email, right, a text message. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe something on social media, um, on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. Right. He didn't <laughs> you know? say that. <laughs> but, hey, back in the day, Tony, the fans put pen to paper and, and wrote letters to these guys. That's right, and uh, and 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 they they and they lift the envelope and they lift the stamp and they slapped it on there with the return address and and the guys got them back in the day. Yeah, and and I'm sure Ricky and Robert would say the same thing, and and you talk to all of them, but now today things are just instantaneously. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great to hear that kind of stuff, you know, 
<laughs> like running out to get that magazine every month, see what's right. going on. Exactly. Exactly. That's that. That, that's, <laughs> that, that was that. I picked up on that when he said that. That's awesome. Dude, I'll, I'll never forget as, as a young kid, you know, young teenager, um, we had this little store in Thomasville where I used to live. Um, it was called the News Center. Uh, they they uh, sold the magazines and they sold newspapers, and they were like one of the first stores there in my hometown to um, rent, uh, you know, VHS movies. And I remember, dude, going there every every Friday. I had my dad bring me there. Uh, actually, this was like in 1985, but. I remember mm-hmm. having my dad bring me there all the like every every Thursday, every Friday. Sometimes he'd take me there every day, and we kept trying to rent Starcade eighty five, and it was always out, always out. And so finally, my uh, dad says something to the gentleman, he's like, "Hey, uh, if I give you my phone number, when this Starcade tape comes in, would you give us a call? Because my son's really been wanting to see this." I'll be and, down in ten minutes. <laughs> and and the guy's like, "Oh, uh, I'll just." Re- I, I I can just put you guys down, you know, to reserve it, um, and and dude, when I got that videotape, I took it home. Mm-hmm. I watched it like ten times. I'd watch it, rewind it, watch it again because I really wanted to see Stargate eighty five. Um, but I remember going to that to that uh, news center, uh, and like you talk about getting the magazines and reading, uh, and that was those magazines were like my first time seeing, um, guys like um. You know, uh, a, a lot, a lot like Jerry Lawler and uh, and guys like that because we didn't we didn't get we, you know at that time cable cable really wasn't out that much yet, um so we didn't see, we we didn't get to see Mid South uh, or any of that other stuff um so so that that was kind of neat but like you said uh, those old magazines was the way that we learned about things it wasn't like it is now we go online we punch it in and boom there it is we had to get those mm-hmm. magazines and we had to read them and i remember the guy telling me he joked with me he's like hey uh why why, why don't you just clock in because you're here you're here more than i am because <laughs> i was just i'd have my dad take me there and drop me off and uh i was sitting there reading wrestling magazines for hours uh little mm-hmm. little, little did i know i was stealing but <laughs> uh but a, a lot of people did that you know a lot of people done that and um I wish to God right now to this day that I, that I had all the wrestling magazines that I, that I had when I was a kid, because I know they'd be worth a lot of money now. Um, but, uh, but you know what, Tony, that but those old stuff, magazines were great. You know, I did that same kind of stuff too. I would run down to a, you know, a bookstore or a, or a news magazine place. And I would sit there, look at the magazines, which one am I going to buy? Hey, but you know what? And there's a lot of crazy things happening in the world today. And, 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 but you know what? That kind of stuff we're talking. We're we're way pre-internet. We're we're way pre-social media. Sometimes it kept you out of trouble, staying in those stores for a couple hours and reading some magazines and yeah. doing something different. And then you know now today everything is instant. I need to know it now. You know and you know now back then that was all creative and 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 building your mind and you know what was what was real, what was missed, what was kind of in the middle. It really didn't matter, but those were, those were good times. And, uh, running down to that corner store sometimes is a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I know I always enjoyed it. Um, when I was a kid and, uh, 
uh, I, and I always will. I mean, uh, that, that's that's some great memories that I always hold on to. Um, we definitely, um, definitely uh, had had good times going to those little stores. Um, well, Chris, I think that that's going to wrap us up this week. Uh, as we uh, talked about the Great American Bash 1990, uh, Sting and Ric Flair hooking it up. Uh, Sting winning the world title from the for the very first time. And uh, I think as the weeks go on, we're going to talk more about Flair and Sting uh, because, as, as we said earlier, those guys were pretty much inseparable uh, from 1987 all the way uh, till, um, you know, the, uh, the close of WCW. Um, so, uh, and, of course, I think Flair and Sting may have, may have done a little bit of stuff together in TNA. So you just mm-hmm. never know. But uh, looking at looking back, uh, you know, Flair always talked about he uh, had great matches with Steamboat and Dusty and Ricky Morton. But uh, and and of course, he says he has great matches with Sting too. Um, so uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to uh, to uh, watch and see more matches with Flair and Sting. And uh, we'll definitely be doing that over the next few weeks. Um, Chris, you have anything before we go off the air? Man, Tony, I think we covered it all tonight. Um, it's been a great show. Looking forward to next week and some more hints to uh, Ric Flair's retirement match as well. I'm sure you'll have some more info in the week from now. And, uh, hey, I'm excited. Summer's almost here, and uh, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan, a rock and roll fan, and a lot to look forward to. It, that, that is for sure. Well, fans, make sure you go like us on our Facebook page, Follow us on there as, uh, like I said, uh, when we get to the Motley Cruise show, Chris and I will probably do a Facebook Live there for a little bit. Uh, so that that'll be exciting for you fans to see. Uh, but uh, but and and, we're, and like I said, over the next few weeks, we're going to be focusing on uh, this Ric Flair final match. I'm excited about that, and I can't wait to let everybody know who his opponent is going to be. Uh, this week, I've already I've already dropped one hint. Uh, and then also let everyone know that Tommy Young is going to be the special referee for that match. Uh, and I'm sure there's, there's going to be more legends coming out, uh, for this great event. Uh, tickets are on, well, actually no tickets are no longer on sale. It's sold out. So now if only, only way you, if you want to see this match, only way you're going to be able to see it is, uh, if you buy the pay-per-view. Um, but anyway, make sure you check us out on our Facebook page. And, uh, for Chris, I am Tony. We will see you next week here on the Binge Buster Show. Thank you for listening to the Binge Buster Show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.